Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. We're going to shift topics right now. Uh, Pastor uh, Mario is going to be introducing our theme and our guest in a moment, but I want to ask you one question and just break in here. Congressman Ralph Norman, you're going to be introduced later, but right now, Congressman Ralph Norman, the president today, Biden today, extended emergency powers. Well, we're supposed to end on March 1 today, arbitrarily did that. Congressman, in, in, in 15 to 20 seconds, does he have the authority to do that? And what does that mean? He's learned apparently too much from Trudeau, or he guided Trudeau, told Trudeau to do this, we have learned. What does that mean? And can Congress do anything? And then we're going to go to the next topic. Can you answer in 15 or 20 seconds, Congressman? Jim, yes, he's got the authority with executive orders. Uh, I would, you know, Biden is a freedom uh, hater uh, in this country. He is trying to take everything away from us at the same time. This just gives, extends what he's trying to do uh, to the American people. What you see is done in Canada. He's scared to death of that. He knows the truckers are on their way in the United States, and uh, they're, gonna, they're supposed to arrive on the State of the Union March 1. And uh, I suspect he'll, I suspect he'll call up the military to try to stop them. Is my gut feeling. I hope I'm wrong. That's not prophetic. It's just Jim's opinion, and I hope Jim's opinion is wrong. Mario, you have wanted to bring us to this important topic for, and I'm so thankful you just kept kept the heat on us to get to this topic. Introduce the topic. Introduce our speakers. Mario, did we lose you? Yeah. Okay, I was just following instructions and muting my. Uh... <laughs> um, yeah, T today um, we are going into a very important topic, um, and that is how secure, how sure are we that that we're going to have full and fair elections in twenty two and in twenty four, and all of what that means. As you all know, I was born in Cuba. 1960, my family and I fled from the Castro regime because of the socialism, communism, Marxism. And one of the ways these dictators, these regimes take power is there's no longer full and fair elections. What I have seen in the last several months, I am absolutely in awe, amazed, and very, very concerned for our nation and for our freedom. We've invited a very, very important panel on this topic, uh, Congressman Norman, who was with us before. We talked about a lot of these issues. We also uh, talked to him since then, uh, who will be weighing in. He is uh, part of the Freedom Caucus, a strong Christian and a dear friend of ours. We also have Chad Conley, also a dear friend of uh, Jim and I, uh, who served as South Carolina GOP chairman, appearing on national television. Uh, he was the first RNC national director of faith engagement, speaking to 43 states, over 85,000 pastors and faith leaders. He was very, very instrumental on the Virginia victories uh, just a few months ago go the gubernatorial elections and the other elections. Um, and I was on a call with him recently. And I said, if, if you want to see something done, make sure chat is on it. Um, we're also honored to have with us Hogan Quigley, 
Uh, we'll give each of them uh, a time to speak. Um, I'm sure you recognize Hogan. He's a Christian, worked for Huckabee, uh, Dole, and President Trump. He's been in politics for 20 odd years. Uh, he was deputy press secretary under President Trump's uh, White House. He's a Newsmax commentator. Um, Jim, do you think we should start with the congressman or did you want to leave him for last? I think I think the way it's set up is to roll with Chad first to set the stage for us. If you're, but I'm open either one. Congressman, if you prefer to go first, we're delighted to have you go first. Oh, no, I'm fine. Uh, I'm, yeah, let, let Chad go. That's great. Okay. okay. Chad, the floor is yours. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, I am honored to be here. And uh, Mario, love you, brother. And Pastor Garlo, I'll never forget being in your church with you and Rosemary and you letting me debate that liberal priest a few years ago. I thought you were going <laughs> to thought you were going to come out of the crowd and wrestle with that guy. But, um, and uh, Ralph, love you, brother. Please give Elaine a hug, and I appreciate your representation for our state, South Carolina. Y'all don't know, but Ralph beat me for that congressional seat, so we got an awesome congressman. But, um, you know, I, look, I've always believed that if we just maximize the church vote, the left couldn't win. I told Reince Priebus when he made me the first ever national director of faith engagement that if our side ever hit 80% of the evangelicals, the left couldn't win dog catcher. They couldn't win city council. They sure couldn't win president. And a guy named Donald J. Trump proved it. Um, in, in Ralph's district, incidentally, in uh, 09, I was a county party chairman, became the first to endorse a guy named Mick Mulvaney. Y'all know Mick, he became uh, a chief of staff for Donald Trump. And we just selectively picked strategic precinct specific churches. And we decided, let's just run up the score. And of course, Mick beat a, what Ralph, 30 something year incumbent at that time. I don't think a conservative had held that seat since the war. And I don't mean the the recent, I mean, 140 years ago war. And so Mick became the congressman. Uh, I went on to become state party chairman. We, we then handpicked some key precincts and counties in our state. We won all the nine constitutional offices. Um, we took a supermajority in the House and Senate. And of course, we didn't, the churches didn't look for credit or anything like that. I got to hone the message with uh, Chairman Priebus. He let me go to those 43 states and just build relationships across denominations and tell them, look, I don't, I don't want you to, to tell them who to vote for. And I don't believe that a Christian should vote on, on personality or politician or party, but we should also always vote on policies and principles that most closely align with, as Jim says, a biblical worldview when he writes about it extensively and well-versed. And so if we get our people voting on policies, it's, it's going to work out. So sure enough, in 2014, we flipped nine U.S. Senate seats. Uh, it was a big part because we were very strategic, very specific in those states. Hadn't flipped nine Senate seats since Reconstruction either. Then in 16, we hit 81% of the evangelical vote came out uh, for President Trump. He became president. Uh, the Lincoln Project spent $30 million peeling off Christians with the little seed of doubt in 2020. I think that's what you, you see what happened. But we knew we had a pattern. Um, I left the RNC. I think I'm one of the only senior staffers not to go work for Chairman Priebus in the Trump White House. And I started my own 501c3. Hundreds of pastors like Jim Garlow and Mario Bromnick told me, you ought to go do this. And so I started to see three just to go on my own, not to be political. We really believe that what we're doing is spiritual that has a political impact. You know, when pastors say, oh, we just don't do politics, I ask him if they preach the whole counsel of God. And I'll ask them, hey, look, I don't believe life 
is a political issue. It's not a, it's a spiritual one. I don't believe marriage or Israel or religious liberty. Those are spiritual issues. In Virginia, I had one donor come to me a little over a year ago and say, Chad, can we flip the state of Virginia? I, I took a deep dive. I looked at the rural area specifically. I, me and my team picked out 10 house, state house districts and we decided we believe we can move the numbers up three to five points. When you talk to the political scientists, they discount this. They really believe they know exactly where the low propensity non-voting people are. I think they're crazy. They don't understand it because they're in the churches and the way to access them is a pastor that those people respect. And President Trump proved that. He pulled people out that were only voting one out of five, one out of six times. So the political scientists that you know, sit in those meetings at the RNC and at high levels and campaigns really don't know our people. So what we did was I contracted with bivocational pastors, which is what I do nationally. In fact, right now, this year will probably be in 15 or 16 states. I've already been in nine states this year because we, we're going to duplicate what we did in Virginia. But here's the long and short of it. We told churches, do a nonpartisan voter registration. We'll show you how. You don't have to talk about who to vote for. Just talk about the importance of voting. Number two, make sure everybody in your church 100% vote biblical values. Hand out voter guides, educate them on issues, whatever else. And then we stumbled into something really pretty cool. We had 312 churches that did voter registration. We registered 77,000 new evangelicals. In the past two years, in fact, our team has registered just under a million new evangelicals in 20 and 21. But in Virginia, those 312 churches, we were on the ground so early, they said, Chad, what can we do? And we knew that election integrity was a big deal. And my buddy, Hogan Gidley, you're going to hear from in just a little bit, who helps run the America First Policies Institute, um, he and I were talking about this. And so I told him, I said, let's go to every county election uh, commission. And I had two different sets of teams. One was a political team and one was the pastor team. I think we ended up going to 44 counties. And I wrote a script and just told him, hey, uh, you're going to go there and say, great to meet you. I'm a pastor here down the street at Maple Street Baptist or whatever. We're here to pray for you. Can we pray with you? What can we pray about? And by the way, do you need anything? And what we found out was they needed poll watchers. They were desperate. In fact, there were signs on the walls now hiring seasonal workers. We had a pastor who asked the County Election Commission, what are seasonal workers? And the lady said, well, you know, they, they work in the summer and fall and they they're, they're, they're here sometimes, and they'll, they'll work for inexpensive. And he said, can I bring my church down? Our little team put up a QR code, um, and Dr. Garland knows this. We went all over the country this year. We did um, 43 meetings in 12 states between Labor Day and Thanksgiving with a guy named David Barton. That's the greatest American Christian historian. And we really focused in Virginia. We did seven meetings. 4,500 people saw David Barton. 1,347 hit our QR codes and raised their hand and said, we want to be involved. We had over 1,000 people from churches apply in Virginia to be poll watchers, y'all. We had eyeballs in places. Now, in Virginia, they don't have election day. They have election 45 days because equality, you understand? And so we had to have people there staffing it. I, I wish I could have had a whole lot more. We just didn't have the bandwidth. Um, Governor Yunkin, you know, he's been very gracious. He did a wonderful video thanking us. And of course, we didn't do it for him. But, you know, to talk about the difference and what a difference church people and Christians make in voting. 
two years ago or so, there was a guy named the governor of Virginia named Ralph Northam who led the cheers in the state house when the legislature voted to allow babies they'd already tried to abort die peacefully. It's just shameful. It's wicked. He, he led the cheers, y'all, on January 15th. My friend Glenn Youngkin grabbed his wife's hand, his new attorney general's hand, who's a friend now named Jason Yarez, a Cuban-American attorney general who's a believer. Winsome Sears, another friend who spoke at our church rallies. We invited D's and R's, by the way, but some of them didn't show up. We asked them to give their testimony. Winsome Sears grabbed her husband's hand, and the new governor of Virginia, two years removed from the governor cheering and leading a standing ovation about babies being allowed to die peacefully, they'd already tried to abort. The new governor prays at his inauguration in Jesus' name. Don't you let anybody tell you that elections don't matter. Don't you dare let anybody tell you that Christian vote doesn't matter. That is a massive turnaround. And Glenn Youngkin's been, he's been promoting us, y'all. I've gotten calls now from deep blue states, and, um, and they've been really nice. Hey, you know, the new governor says you're one of the few people who believe that we could flip Virginia. And I said, I just understand that the Christian voting block is the most untapped but most reliable voting block in all of America. I believe with all my heart, if there's a, a movement conservative, uh, an elected official, a candidate, uh, a, an issue advocacy group that does not maximize the Christian vote in this environment, they're going to lose. Last point, and I'll hush up because I, I do this every day and I can only talk for six or eight more hours as Ralph knows. But I, I believe also this is a time God's allowed his people to really have an awakening. We just heard about the truckers. I believe that people are coming to life, y'all. I'm seeing this across the country. You know, a deep blue state guy that called me and he said, hey, Glenn Youngkin, you know, really spoke highly of you. And why do you think you deserve the credit? I said, well, look, sir, you called me, man. <laughs> I wasn't bothering nobody. You called me. I said, but I don't have a pastor on my team. Nobody on my team wants to take credit. We don't care. But we know we're losing the country. And we know unless we maximize the Christian vote and get Christians involved at every level, dog catcher, city council, school board, Congress, everything, then we're losing this thing called America. The experiment will be over. And, uh, you know, I, I read some 85 cents of every missionary dollar originates in America. That's why the enemy hates us. That's why he wants to take us down. But I also believe sometimes you just got to get the almost level of desperation before people start waking up and say, hey, let's get something done about this. And so everywhere we've been, I've been now, I've been in nine states already. I think I'm in the middle of kind of a 20 or 21 day thing of a different nine states. I go to Colorado tomorrow, and then I'll be in California speaking. But all over the place, people are coming forward saying, I've had enough. I'm, I'm not going to allow this anymore. I'm going to tell my pastor, let's do a nonpartisan voter registration, and let's make sure 100% of the people vote. And if y'all want to go, I, I put a link here, um, faithwins.us slash take dash action. And all it does, it takes you to the website. If you want to know how to do voter registration, if you want us to match your people with precincts and counties, uh, Hogan and I are talking, he'll tell you about this in a minute. We've identified some 580 counties in eight battleground states that are problematic, Mario. I, I mean, they're just problematic. And what we're trying to do is match Christian people, because I got to tell you, nobody saw us coming because it was Miss Edna from the church down the street 
who went in to watch the polls. It, it was the deacon team or a Sunday school teacher who went in or a pastor from a small church in rural Virginia. Those people went in and they were watching the polls and they built relationships with those poll workers. And they were there watching and questioning. We built kill lists. We actually looked at early votes and we identified places where one place, 27 people had registered that uh, had the same name. We, we thought that was not right. Uh, another place, there were 17 that registered from the same address. We sent somebody out there. It was a field. So we built what we call kill lists, and we believe that about 5.2%, it appeared, end up being fraudulent. Well, you extrapolate that over the whole state, and you begin to see um, that if Christians just get involved, nonpartisan, but they're there to make a difference, uh, it makes a real impact. Chad, am I correct? Uh, how many poll watchers did you get and how many election judges? And explain the difference, yeah. because this is an action call. This is a call. This is so much bigger. I'm glad you said this so much bigger than partisan. We don't. Our, my primary interest is not Republican and Democrat. The Democrats were independent of everything that's unbiblical in their platform and embrace everything's biblical. I become a Democrat tomorrow. The issue is scriptural truth. So right. talk, talk to us again. An election judge. What's a poll watcher? What's the difference? And how can people listening in every state on here, how can they sign up and become a part of that? And then faith wins. Give it slower when you give your. I'll give it to you. It's I posted it on the chat so people can click on it. It's faith wins. W-I-N-S dot U-S slash take dash action. But you'll see it in the chat. People can pull that up and click on it. So well, you're, on, you're on a different chat. So somebody okay. over on Facebook, you know, there was go ahead and type that in right now because you're typing it on one that. That, that you're on a different one than most, most of the population. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. So there are two different things in Virginia, and every state's different, right? There's a poll watcher, then there's an, what they call a sworn election officer. So it required a little bit more, and you had to have training and that kind of thing. We had 1,300 people we know we sent applications in for. Some of the counties, I'll be delicate here, were so um, unorganized that they never responded to our people. We know over a thousand that showed up and actually worked the polls. We had over 300 that applied to be sworn election officers. We did not get a final number, but it's well over a hundred that were actually sworn election officers. It came down to, we discovered levels of incompetence, uh, disregard in some counties that was, it, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. So the key is getting involved early. So if you have people in your church that want to get involved, we will match them by state and county, and we'll put them to work. I've got a pastor buddy in Virginia, Pastor Tom Alvis, who is helping lead this effort. And we're looking at those eight states. You guys could about name which ones we're talking about. But that's all you need to do to get involved right now. The, the timing is different based on when your primaries are and all that kind of thing. Uh, some states have a, a certain amount of time that you can actually apply to be a poll worker or some type of sworn election officer. It depends on the state, but we'll sort that out for you and put you in the right place. What kind of phrase would they Google just to get a general education in their own state? What would they, what would they Google? Uh, yeah, Elect, just Google their state's election commission. Um, it'll be clear as mud. Uh, I think the, the thing in um, Virginia was some 45 pages long. And Pastor Alvis actually read it when he went to his election commission and he was bringing up points to him and nobody there had actually read the rules, the statute. 
So don't be surprised if they don't have a clue about what the rules are. In Virginia, you're supposed to have an equal number of R's and D's, but um, that wasn't happening either. That's that's against state lo state law. So you're targeting targeting 580 counties in eight states. Yes, sir. So, okay. so far that we've identified. Now that, that's where we need to have you come back on. Identify Mar Mario. Uh, I've asked my questions back to you. Yeah, uh, Chad, we definitely want you to come back on. We want to work uh, with you anytime uh, you want us to give another call on the World Prayer Network and disseminate the information, we'll be happy to do so. Uh, we'll have some general in in questions after uh, the briefings as well. Um, Hogan, uh, if you don't mind sharing at this time. Absolutely, thanks so much for having me tonight. Dr. Garla, I really appreciate your leadership. Uh, Chad, always love working with you. I've known Chad now for about uh, 10, 15 years. The Congressman, I've, I've known him for a long time too. In fact, on my phone, you know how your iPhone gives you that reminder or recommendation of a picture you saw a year ago or whatever it was. There was one that popped up of myself and the Congressman outside of Fox News here in Washington, D.C. Uh, not too long ago. He's been a fighter for so long and, and a good Christian brother as well, um, doing so much to further um, the kingdom of God, which is a blessing to me. And I always love being on a call with Chad and with the congressman because it's the only two people I can deal with in Washington, D.C., quite frankly. They don't talk funny. They sound about right to me the way they talk. So I appreciate their uh, being on this call today, to, tonight. Um, listen, Chad's absolutely right. Um, one of the things we worked on in the Trump administration, obviously, was um, religious liberty. I think that was a, a kind of a, a core principle of the administration. In fact, I can give you stories all day long of how many times Donald Trump would have people into his office to, to lay hands on him, to circle him at the resolute desk and pray on behalf of this nation, on behalf of our leaders, to try and give them some type of discernment and wisdom uh, to help guide where this country should go. Uh, you know, one, one of the times I remember uh, at the outbreak, uh, the outset of COVID, actually, I was down in the Situation Room. Uh, the president wasn't there, but the vice president was, and we had several members of the cabinet and then also some, some health leaders. And I remember the vice president kind of scanning the room. He looked at me and said, Hogan, would you please lead us in prayer? Now, I had to say a quick prayer before I offered a prayer because, of course, I'm in a room that, that has such gravitas and weight and we're facing something that was un foreseen and unprecedented. I don't say that to somehow glorify myself. I say that to point to the fact that the administration I served in really did look to God, uh, relied on Christ for so much of, of what we did because we understood that there was a compass, there was a, a true north that was the blood of Jesus that helped us get through so many difficult times. And Lord knows we had some difficult times in that administration. But I would say as we begin to move forward into this, uh, this next year, we take a look at what's going on around the globe. We take a look at what's going on in this country. And there's no question uh, we're facing uh, leaders and, and, and movements that have completely disregarded uh, our, our, our founding father's principles, our, our, our guidance and, and trust and, and faith in the Bible. Um, you know, the, the people who started this call from, from Canada, my goodness, our, our, our thoughts and our prayers are with you every single day. You're leading a charge out there. And quite frankly, I'm watching Canada and I'm watching Ireland and I'm watching England, not masking children, doing their things. It's almost as though the freedom lovers out there across the globe are out America-ing America. They're doing more to stand up for freedom and democracy than we are here in this country. But these types of calls are things that give me kind of a, 
um, a, re a replenishing, if you will, uh, about where we're headed because so many people out there really are engaged. They're excited. They're angry. And that's something when I do radio shows across this country and I do television programs all over the world, I understand that, that people are truly, um, you know, focused on, on, you know, fixing what has been broken for so long um, in this country. And look, if there's one good thing about uh, COVID, what we can point to is the fact that parents woke up and they took a look at what was happening around this country and they said, look, no more. And, and it's, not, it's not something that's negative, but it is something that really has gone to benefit the families in this country who are looking for some type of, of guidance from their government. These people are involved, and Mike Huckabee told me years ago, look, Hogan, the more local the government, the easier it is to get involved, the easier it is to effectuate change. We've seen that with things like critical race theory, and now we're seeing it with things like election integrity. Um, thankfully, people are angry, but they are for the first time channeling that anger into action. This is where Chad and I come into play here. We've talked about fixing elections in this country for a long time time. I'm sure the people on this Zoom call remember the hanging chads of, of the Florida election back in 2000. The left for a long time has been talking about machines that are problematic and paper ballots and, and why can't we have equal protection under the law as it relates to elections. I don't know why they're, they're silent right now, of course, but still, these have been happening in this country, these problems and these illegalities and these irregularities and these anomalies for decades. It's time to fix it. And so, while we have, we have kind of traded in the hanging chads with mass mail-ins and, and drop boxes, we still have problems out there, and Chad alluded to it too. And even states that have laws aren't following them. So a lot of examples here, but, but I would say, you know, somewhere like Pennsylvania, for example, 2.7 million votes came in the mail, and, and not a single one was signature matched. Now, that doesn't mean 2.7 million votes in Pennsylvania were fraudulent, although they could have been, but we'll never know because they didn't follow the laws they have on the books there. We just found out in Michigan, for example, there are 25,000 names on uh, the rolls right now of dead people, 5,000 of which have been on there for 20 years. So there are a lot of issues we're facing in a lot of different states. Pennsylvania, as I mentioned, with the mail-in votes, but we now have video of people tearing up some of the tapes and the information coming out of these machines. It's a serious problem out there. People now are starting to kind of separate the fact from the fiction. What we're doing at the Center for Election Integrity is trying to figure out exactly what happened, yes, but not to look backwards, but to look forwards and how we put laws into these states that actually protect every single legal voter and every single legally cast ballot. That's what this is all about. And look, you know, at the core of our expression of liberty is being able to vote in elections that are free, fair, and honest. And any system that doesn't pass that test is an abject failure, not to mention the fact anyone who allows that to happen or does it on purpose, uh, you know, commits fraud, ought to be held accountable. Either you should definitely lose your uh, position in holding a, a office as an elected official, or you should go to jail, or a combination of the two, of course. So, uh, as Chad mentioned, whether it's via ignorance or stupidity or laziness or maliciousness, laws are being broken in this country. It's time to stand up and say no more. And the right and the left 
um, have been clamoring this for decades. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of point to a few new polling statistics we found. Scott Rasmussen is someone who, who many of you know is a national pollster, works for our organization. And, and we have new numbers out uh, just recently that have really proven the point. So regardless of what the left will call us and, and say about the movement to, to fix our elections, that we're all the racist and the, I call it the ists, the racist, the segregationist, the suppressionist, the Marxist, all the bad names. These things are wildly popular. Folks, 85% of the people in this country demand you have a photo ID when you cast a ballot. 85%. Now, what other, what other issue garners 85% of support? That's the right, the left, the middle, regardless of race, uh, gender, color, creed, whatever. 85% of the people want photo ID. So proving you are who you say you are when you cast a ballot is not only common sense, it works to secure our elections. 88% of the people in this country want clean voter rolls. Folks, there are more than 2 million dead people. I talked about Michigan. There are more than 2 million dead people on voter rolls right now in this country. I often joke about a friend of mine who called me after the last election and said, look, I was so angry to find out that my parents voted for Joe Biden. I'm never going to go visit their grave ever again. I'm not going to take them flowers. I'm not going to do anything over at their grave. So I'm not going to clean it off. That's what happens in these elections. You got to win the cemetery vote in order to win a lot of times and, and hold office. But these things, 82% of people believe you should have a ballots returned to election officials on election day. Chad alluded to this as well. It's not election month, not election week. It's election day. 45 days they had in Virginia to vote. And on election day, the Democrats sued to get 10 more days to be able to count ballots because, of course, the uh, numbers weren't turning out the way they thought they would. So the movement is afoot out there to actually educate our legislators. We know the Constitution gives the right and responsibility to the folks who hold office at the local level to decide how you're going to conduct elections. Because, look, what happens in, in Maryland uh, isn't necessarily what's best as, as it relates to elections for Mississippi or Maine or Montana or Massachusetts. They're all different out there. And so when the federal government recently tried to take over our elections at the local level, does anyone on this Zoom call really believe the federal government could do a better job running your local election than your state legislatures or, or your local government? Folks, this is the same federal government that left uh, Americans stranded in Afghanistan and botched that withdrawal. The same federal government that loses $60 billion a year in Medicare fraud. The same federal government that just admitted to losing $100 billion in COVID relief funds because a hacker got in and stole it. You think that same federal government can run your local elections? No way. The fact is we need to make sure that we empower these local officials. They know the rules, they know the laws, they actually follow the laws and, and, and make sure that the people out there are protected. And, and I have to say, calls like this are so encouraging to me. I was just over in North Carolina yesterday. I had three speeches, uh, one in the morning, the afternoon, and then the evening talking about this very issue. They actually found almost 500,000, almost half a million names on the voter rolls in North Carolina while I was there that shouldn't be on there. And they purged those voter rolls. That's great news. And I'm really happy about North Carolina. They're one of the better states. But how in the world did you get half a million people on the voter rolls that shouldn't be on the voter rolls? These are simple things, simple measures we can do 
to really protect our elections. And I have to say, kind of in closing here, it's very important that the pastor network be organized and that you guys be engaged. That's what got us Virginia. Chad was a little more modest about it. We worked on, on working with people in Virginia in a small little way. But I have to tell you, when you have people on the ground, engaged, dealing with your local election officials, going into these precincts, I, it is so important to make sure that those votes that are, are cast absentee or whatever, if we can prevent them on the front end and put them in the provisional pile as opposed to the count these pile, that's the ball game. We're going to win in court on those provisional ballots all day long because the addresses don't match. There was no signature. Um, it, it wasn't the right person who showed up. There was no photo ID, whatever it is. But once they're through that system and they're counted, it's a ball game. We're done. <laughs> so the fact you guys want to be involved and you want to be engaged, this is how we stop it. And no one sees the pastor network coming for them because the pastors largely, for the most part, understand that God ordained the family God ordained the church, but God also ordained the state. And while you may be called to focus on one or two or all three of those things, remember, the state's out there because God ordained it. It's time to get involved. You guys on this call really encourage me, and I'll, I'll end with this. I remember when we launched the Center for Election Integrity down in Atlanta, Chad was there, and we had um, Alveda King, who's uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s niece, and we had Kim Blackwell, who was a former Secretary of State in Ohio, African-American man. We had Dean Nelson from the Frederick Douglass Society. And it, we didn't have them up there because they were black. It was because when I issued the call and asked people to come in and decide what we're going to do to fix our elections, those three folks stood up and said, we want to be there because personhood matters to us. These are battles we fought in the 60s. And we want to make sure that when we show our ID, it proves it's me voting because they had to struggle to prove their self-worth, many of their friends died in that process in the civil rights movement. And they said, we can't go back to, to that. We have to make sure our elections are free, fair, and honest. And a little lady came up to me at the end and she said, Hogan, I am so excited. Gave me a big hug. And she said, we did it in the church there in Atlanta when we made our announcement because we want to take it right to the teeth of that argument about racism and, and racist policies. And this lady came up to me and gave me a big hug. And she said, Hogan, I love it. I'm so excited. How do I get involved? And she said, how are you going to fix all this? And I kind of looked at her. I said, I'm not going to fix it. You're going to fix it. And she stepped back and, what do you mean I'm going to fix it? I said, I'm from, I live in D.C. now. I used to be in South Carolina and I'm in D.C. now. I'm not going to come to Georgia and tell you how to run your elections. That's up to you. The more you get involved, the better off we're going to be. And while Democrats will tell us that America is inherently evil and we're the cause of the world's problems, the people on the right, people in their pastor community, we know better because there's a reason the folks in Cuba are running around waving our American flag and, and the people in Mexico are trying to come into our country because they know what many on the left don't, that we're the, the, the beacon of hope and strength and freedom and democracy all over the world. We've got to keep it that way. And I know we can keep it that way if the people on this Zoom call remain involved. Folks, you can go to our website as well. It's uh, AmericaFirstPolicy.com, AmericaFirstPolicy.com. And what we did was we took a lot of the folks from the previous administration uh, and put them into kind of a, a 501c3 
And there are different centers there, a center for e economy, for example, headed up by Larry Kudlow, names you'll recognize a lot of the former cabinet secretaries that focus on border security, national security, et cetera. But I'm in charge of election integrity because after the last election, my mama called me from North Carolina crying and she said, I don't know how we're going to get past um, any of the things we want passed in these state legislatures if we don't have people in power that we want. And I told my mother, I don't know how you're going to get them in, in power unless we can clean up these elections. And at the March for Life a few weeks ago, I'll end here. I, I had a great conversation with a young lady, um, Liz Wheeler, who many of you probably know in the pro-life movement. And, and she interviewed me on camera. And I said, look, a lot of people think that if, if this if this ruling comes down the way we want the Dobbs ruling from the Supreme Court and we can somehow at the very least kick these decisions on abortion back to the states, we don't want states allowing abortions either. But if you want people in power who make these decisions and pass these policies at the local level to outlaw, you know, the, the barbaric um, action of abortion, you got to get them into office. And the best way to get them into office is to make sure that these elections are, are free, fair, and honest, and that we restore that faith, uh, that trust, and that confidence in the process. Again, we can do it if we all work together to ensure that for the future. So thank you for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Hogan. Um, I, I do just have one follow-up follow now. Um, since November, we're nine months we're away, nine months away from the midterms. There seems to be an echo. What assurance do we have? What, what abilities do we have in place? And can you safely say that you're confident that we're going to have in November? I, I, I'm, I'm more confident than I've ever been. And, and I'll, put it, I'll put it this way. There are about 700 bills in state legislatures right now um, that address election security, election integrity. You have a lot of states where you have legislatures that pass good laws like North Carolina, like Michigan, like Wisconsin, but those governors come in and, and, and veto them immediately. So one of the things we're set out to do at the America First Policy Institute and the Center for Election Integrity underneath that banner is to not just educate um, the legislatures and the governors on the numbers. I mean, it, it's a, it's a, it's not just the policy is good. The politics is good too. 85% of people, as I mentioned at the, at the outset, agree with these things. Um, letting them know that, ginning up support at the local level, putting pressure on your state legislators. And by the way, this is where the pastor community is so big. You guys are the ones who see your, 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 your uh, representative or your senator out at the grocery stores, at the ballpark, at church, you guys are the ones that need to tell them how important this is for the future of our country. And the more people who are vocal about it, and when you have the 80 percentile, like I said, on, on board with all these things, you can't allow the vocal 20% minority to force us into bad policy. So in states like Michigan and Wisconsin, for example, where you have a governor that comes in and says no to the legislature, it's going to take a little longer. One of the things we've done is, Fine. You want to play that game? We'll play a game, too. We have referendums in Wisconsin and Michigan that will go right to the people. So once the legislature passes the same bill in consecutive sessions, it goes on the ballot as a constitutional amendment directly to the people. 
They'll vote to support it, of course, because we'll educate them. We'll do a, a full assault on all the radio and TV stations locally because that's where the battle is going to be won locally, not nationally. We do that. It doesn't matter what the governors do. We'll codify those things into law regardless in time for 2024. There are some states, though, that are going to pass some laws by 2022. And that's where we're focused right now is that that full full court press on the eight to 10 states Chad talked about where we've identified folks on the ground that can help us out, get things moving. So I'm confident-ish, if that makes sense. But again, we serve a pretty big God and, and through him, all things are possible. So I'm I'm on my knees constantly praying to him for some for some wisdom, discernment, and obviously some results. Thank you so much. We will uh, keep you in prayer. You in prayer in a little bit as well. A little bit as well, Congressman. And if you can, please, if you can please. Congressman Norman. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm here. Go ahead and share with us now. Okay, Dr. Gar Garland and, and Rosemary, and uh, I tell you, we've heard from great Americans. I value the friendship with Chad and Hogan. You're talking about freedom fighters. Uh, they've been doing it a long time, and they're such the spokesmen uh, that both of them are, and the way they can articulate it is great. So it's an honor to be on your program. Um, let me just say that there's, there's an evil going on in this country. Uh, that I have never seen. And I really appreciate the podcast I, I saw today. When I heard from General McInerney, uh, what, a, what a true patriot. Um, but, you know, I'm in the weeds. Uh, I go there every, you know, when we're in session every week. Uh, and I will tell you, we've got a challenge ahead. Um, and I, I tell everybody, if we don't save America, where do we go? Name me a country that we can go to. And there is none because there is none like America. Um, and, and like Chad and Hogan said, the churches are going to be leading the way. Um, I was in a church today where the pastor was preaching the gospel. Uh, and yes, he wasn't afraid to wade into the political arena in a good way. And there's an assault on the church today. There's a, an assault to uh, to, to do away with the church. And they're doing it through uh, the issues that we're now facing. Look at the inflation. And I hold up my wallet everywhere I speak and, 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 and tell the people, you know, if, if, if for every dollar that we spend on gas, for every dollar that we spend on food, for every dollar we give away to some uh, program that shouldn't be funded, that's a dollar less for the churches. How are the churches going to expand if they don't have the money? And uh, what's happening today is an affront to every American. Every American ought to be uh, completely upset with what's going on. Um, as far as the midterms, I would just say this. It's, it's not who votes, it's who counts the votes. And when you look at the 2020 uh, so-called results, which, I, I, you know, it's, it's so many irregularities that took place. And I will tell you, if you hadn't read Molly Hemingway's book, Rigged, you need to read that. That's one of the best books that spells it out that I know of. Uh, but basically, we're in the battle of our lives. Uh, and as both Chad and Hogan said, if we lose the fairness of our elections, we lose the country. We're just another Venezuela. And I would ask the questions to all your listeners on this, this podcast. Why did 39 states alter their election laws not through the legislature, but just through lawsuits 
and through the uh, those that do not have the best interests of this country changing the, the laws when it has to go through the, the legislature uh, per the Constitution, as Hogan said. Uh, why did North Carolina, uh, as an example, it's, my, it's an adjacent state to South Carolina that I watch closely. Uh, why did they extend the days, 10 days uh, from your normal voting day? Uh, Florida didn't do that. Uh, Texas didn't do that. And, th and think about this, Jim and Rosemary, uh, why would you extend the voting days? Uh, why would you have signature ballots uh, that, that you can't verify? The left did a great job of causing mass confusion on election day. And uh, we've got to somehow deal with that. Um, you know, when I look at what's happened, uh, it's gonna take all of us for the next eight months, seven months to, to really get involved as has been said. Um, and I have people call me all the time. Well, I, you know, I cannot stand Pelosi, cannot stand Schumer, and I'm gonna write him a letter. I said, you know, can I give you some advice? You're really you're battling upstream. What do they? What are they going to do with the letter? They're throwing it away. What you can do is just what Chad and Hogan said: get involved locally, uh, get with your commissions. Uh, South Carolina is a relatively safe state, but we've got some challenges. We've, we've written three letters and we're getting involved with those who say that, well, there's not that much. Well, how much is, is enough? Uh, how much is, is uh, you cannot let things like this grow. And we're getting involved at every precinct level. We're holding the election commission accountable. That's what I would ask everybody uh, listening to this podcast to do. Because the left has done a great job of, uh, of confusing things. The left has done a great job under the guise of COVID. And Jim, you know this, uh, we're going to have another uh, so-called pandemic, uh, in my opinion, before the elections. We're going to have a lot of other things that they want to take our, our eye off the ball uh, and divert us. And we can't do it. We can't believe the Fauci's of the world. Uh, we cannot believe the politicians. And I'll tell you another thing that's happening, uh, and I see it every day. I was giving a talk at a, uh, at a group, small gathering, and a retired Marine got up at the end and said, uh, Norman, have you been to the precincts lately, uh, the, voter, the voting precincts? I said, no, why? He said, Stacey Abrams from Georgia is in South Carolina registering voters. They're active. Uh, the other thing that we've got to contend with is the so-called Zuckerbucks, the 400 million that was put in this last election uh, through nonprofit groups that uh, just went to the and they were run by the liberals. But uh, the social medias that are, are banning uh, the Breitbart News uh, and other channel, other programs is alive and well. And don't think they're going to they're conceding this election. We've got a tough road, I will be honest with you. The other things that, they, that I see they're doing, they're recruit, the, the powers that be, the left, are recruiting so-called Republic, putting a Republicans uh, on the ballot. They're no more of a Republican than the Democrats. They believe in the socialistic way. That's what's happening all across this country. Uh, and as Hogan and Chad said, Virginia was a great testing ground. Uh, but unless we all get involved, unless we all uh, give a roadmap to what you can do, and there's no, there's, there's no better way to get involved than in your local 
precincts, uh, poll watchers. We cannot let what happened in Georgia and the six primary states happen again. Their intent, the left is going to do that if we don't stand in the way. Uh, and I so much appreciate what everyone's doing. Uh, it's grassroots, but it's, you know, and, and I tell people this confrontation we didn't ask for, but we're going to have to face it. And we're going to have to face it just like the truckers did in Canada. Uh, we just, we're going to have to say we're not, we're, we're tired of it. And I will tell you, uh, a group of us in the Freedom Caucus in Congress got together. We're going to, at least, we've got we're 30 members. Uh, a group of us said, we don't really care about position. We don't care about subcommittees. We're going to do what it takes to hopefully save this country and to get it back on the right track. If we don't, uh, the outcome is not going to be good. And I will tell you, we can't, we, we have got to have a landslide like 94. Uh, we've got to have 20 plus seats to pick up of true conservatives. Uh, the other thing I would say that I'm doing is going all over recruiting good candidates, conservative candidates, uh, not ones who are put up and are just filling the slot for the powers that be that want to continue to run this country. So, um, you know, I'm optimistic, but faith without works is dead. And I use the analogy and everybody is, is, is praying, but I would add to this, uh, we've got to, we got to have the works behind it. I love a garden. I love vegetables. I can pray all day for vegetables to drop in my lap. The miracle comes when I plant the seed. And I would just say, we've got, we've got to tell people, plant the seed. Don't sit at home. And, um, and I think with that message, we can take this country back. Uh, politicians aren't going to do it. I mean, we're 30 trillion in debt in county. That's what politicians have done. And we got to say no. And, and just like Chad and, and Hogan said, it's time to activate people, give them tasks. Not everybody is tuned in to the political arena. What people are tuned in is their, their particular community, their state. They know the politics there. It's up to us to put a roadmap of what we do. We put, we're putting groups together in South Carolina. I'm recruiting good candidates, uh, candidates that I know. Words aren't going to get it. Uh, as we're learning with this administration, uh, with, with the Biden administration. We've got so many bullets coming our way. I mean, you know, we, we look at what's happening in Afghanistan, uh, the debacle there. We look at what's happening with, with uh, Russia and Ukraine, what's soon to follow with China and Taiwan, uh, the inflation. They're breaking this country. Uh, as And the analogy, and I hate to say this, it's just the same path that Venezuela took. They're the richest oil-producing uh, country in the world at one time, and it vanished. The powers that be got a hold of the, the, the oil and natural gas, just as we're losing in this country, under the guise of, of you know, global warming. Uh, but we've got to say no. We've got to be willing to, to take, take a stand, as the truckers are doing. And it's not going to be pretty. I will say... Uh, Washington is a toxic place now. Um, you know, I know how people are going to vote before they even uh, hit the floor. Uh, the Democrats, and then you got some Republicans of the world too, the Liz Cheney's and Adam Kinzinger's who, um, you know, have, have left the party or the conservative cause. But we've got to, you know, now get active. And I think we will, but hopefully it's going to be enough 
Uh, and I will kind of close with the saying that Winston Churchill said during the darkest hours uh, for Great Britain. He said, there'll be a time when doing your best and good enough, you got to do what's required. And what we're going to have to do is what's required. And all pastors, what better, what better group uh, to lead this country back than pastors? And I think that's going to happen. I pray it will. And, um, and I just thank you for what you're doing. It was great, you know, when you in, came to Capitol Hill with Jody Heiss and our morning meetings. I really enjoyed that. You did a great job. And we're going to have to do keep that going uh, individually and, and as groups all across this country. Well, thank you. I'm going to turn it back to Mark. I just, I happen to be on a text string uh, when they come in for what's called first vote on either Monday night or Tuesday night. And it'll say, everybody meet in this room for prayer right now. <laughs> it, just, it just blesses me. They're all meeting in, in, in that room praying this group of, of, godly, of godly, godly people. I'm uh, just so proud of you. Uh, Mario, back to you, my brother. And you're muted. Thank you so much, uh, Congressman. We will continue to pray for you and your team. Um, I do have uh, a question. It has nothing to do with uh, uh, vote, voter integrity, election integrity. Um, the um, Russian-Ukraine scenario, what is the Biden administration's calculus? Why, why are they, they doing what they're doing? None of it seems to make sense. What's the real motivation behind uh, Biden's actions right now? Uh, one, um, uh, the, the buildup, uh, two, uh, kind of egging on of uh, Putin. Uh, on this and ultimately um, why, if they're so concerned, why haven't they already placed sanctions now to try to avert a strike? He sold out. This administration sold completely out to China and to Russia. I mean, look what he did with the Nord Stream pipeline. Uh, when we had him on a, when we were in the skiff, uh, getting information, trying to ask questions about Afghanistan, you know, all we had were, why? Why did you leave 80 billion on the ground? Why did you let 13 Americans die? Why did you uh, have the military leave first before you had Americans? And, and this, But the same thing with, uh, the, look what he's doing to the oil and natural gas. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal Saturday that will scare every listener to death about the liquid natural gas that FERC uh, is, is hobbling so that we can't produce natural gas. Uh, we, we're buying it from OPEC. It's, 14, it's 15 countries, Venezuela, Iraq, Iran. Uh, that's who we're buying our, our gas and uh, oil from. We've got, we've got a hundred year supply in this country. Uh, so the only, I mean, the same thing about the immigration. Why are 2 million illegals in this country? It's intentional. That everything that's happening is intentional. And so my only my conclusion I come to, he sold out. I mean, he sold out and he's got the he's there is a cabal running this country. We all know Joe Biden is not here. Uh, he's you know, he's not in the right frame of mind. You can call it dementia. You can call it Alzheimer's, whatever you want to call it. The man can't answer a question. Uh, there's a reason he kept, uh, you know, he's he stayed in the basement. I think he, he knew he, he, you know, getting out in the public's not good. Get this on the, on the, uh, his speech, uh, state of the state of the union, they limited it to 25 Republicans. Go figure. Look at what Donald, Donald Trump did. The state of the union is when you give a vision for the country, you give hope, 
you get uh, you 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 tout your record of what you want to do for the country. This administration, you're not seeing that. But no, he sold out, and that's why the battle is here. We don't want it, but you know, with with the Revolutionary War, only a third were willing to go into battle. Two thirds did not want it. I hope we beat that number, but if we don't, we lose our country. And you know, where as I mentioned earlier, where do you go? Name me a country that you go to. That's why, you know, look at all the people wanting to come here. The but the motive of all of these things is to take down this country. And I, uh, I mean, I hate to say that, but I see it firsthand. I come from the business arena. I don't come from politics, but seeing what is happening uh, just should not happen. And uh, you know, it's uh, the only way you deal with it is stop it. And there's no middle ground. That's why I am optimistic because uh, people, I've had more people say, I'm fed up. Uh, I'm, I'm not taking it. Uh, you see with the truckers in Canada and you see with a lot of Americans. Uh, but, you know, we don't have that long to correct it. I will say this. If we don't have a big turnaround in the next eight months, really it's next three to four months to solidify our candidates, to make sure they're funded, to make sure they're in this thing for the right reasons. If we don't do that, then, you know, everything else is pretty well moot, a uh, moot point. Because we've got, uh, it's, it's unbelievable things that are coming our way that will take this country down from nationalizing our elections to killing our oil and natural gas. I had one engineer tell me at a plant the other day, he said, what do they want to do? Fly, have planes flown by batteries, powered by batteries? No, it's ludicrous is what the left is doing. But the good news too, it's a small group. They're vocal. We've got to get our voice back. And just as you had heard Chad and, and Hogan, they're, they're talking. It's time for all of us to voice our opinions. We can't be scared um, because the left isn't scared and we can't be, and we know we're right. And I think God's in control, but he needs us as soldiers. And I think we'll do that. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.